your love to radio God bless you and welcome to this afternoon's broadcast of a study in the word with me evangelist Elmer may the Lord bless you and may he be with you once again we are privileged to gather in this fashion in this manner and just to address you here from the studio and to share with you nothing else nothing more nothing less than than the Word of God. And we're just so grateful for the Word of God. Everything starts with the Word of God and it ends with the Word of God. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh. So it starts with the Word. Hallelujah. The Word is where it starts. The Word is our foundation. And we are built upon that foundation. Yes. The Bible makes it very plain that no man can lay another foundation than that which has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. And we're just so grateful that we have the right foundation. The foundation of the apostles and the prophets. According to Ephesians 2 verse 20, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Yes, he is the foundation. Hallelujah. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. And we're just grateful for that. Our God is awesome and he's in control and we give him the praise, the glory and the worship that is due to him. Hallelujah. Now for those of you that have your Bibles ready, you can turn with me please to the book of St. Mark, the gospel according to St. Mark, the evangelist, and we shall read from chapter number 6. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. 
And when the Sabbath day was gone, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages teaching. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Now we are drawing from verse 4 where Jesus himself said, a prophet is not without honor but in his own country and amongst his own kin and in his own house. Hallelujah. So our topic tonight is a prophet is not without honor. And may the Lord just help us. For those of you that have tuned in for the first time, may you just feel welcome you have your Bible ready, make some notes, and just go through it yourself. We call this program a study in the Word, and that is what we do. We study the Word of God. Paul even told Timothy to study to show himself approved. God told the prophet Joshua to meditate upon the Word of God. Jesus even said in the Gospel according to John, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you, you have eternal life, and it is they that testify of me. And that is what we should do. We should search the Scriptures. The Bible says in uh, the book of Acts chapter 17 that the believers in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with gladness and searched the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And that is also the attitude that we should have, is to search the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so, to verify all things through the filter of the word of God. The word of God is the basis. The word of God is the standard. The word of God is the measuring stick. Hallelujah. The word of God is the basis. It is the foundation. And we see a chapter unfolding in the gospel of Mark. Now we know there were four evangelists. There was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when it comes to being an evangelist, an evangelist is simply somebody that preaches the gospel. Nothing more, nothing less. It is somebody that publishes the good news. If we read in Isaiah 52, the Bible speaks how blessed are the feet of those that publishes good tidings. And that is what an evangelist is. It is somebody that preaches the gospel. If you pronounce it in the Afrikaans language, evangelist is iemand wat die evangelie verkondig. That is precisely what it is. So yes, an evangelist is one that preaches the gospel, that publishes the gospel, that spreads the news. It is like somebody being a broadcaster. Like many of the people on the radio station are broadcasters. They are broadcasting something. They are publishing something. They are just transmitting what is already. Not something new, not something of their own, but something that is already in existence. Now, Mark the Evangelist portrays Jesus as being the servant. Yes, he portrays Jesus as being the servant and he shows Jesus also in his humanity. Yes, now we see Jesus grew up in a city by the name of Nazareth. 
Now he was born in Bethlehem and we have spoken on a previous broadcast what Bethlehem implies. Bethlehem means the house of God's bread and Jesus was the bread of God. He was the living bread that came down from heaven. So he was born in Bethlehem and we see there came a persecution and the angel of the Lord gave Joseph his stepfather instruction to flee and they fled to Egypt and they came back from Egypt and Jesus grew up in this little town called Nazareth. Now it was in fact a little town, but this also happened that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets that he shall be called a Nazarene. So he grew up in this little town and this town was a place that didn't really have a great standing or reputation. We see in John chapter 1 that when Philip went to call Nathaniel to tell him that they have found the Messiah, the one of whom Moses wrote, then Nathaniel was the one that said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And from that we can conclude that Nazareth didn't really have a good reputation. And in this town where Jesus grew up as a child, the town of Nazareth, he was known by the local neighbors as the son of the carpenter. And he himself was known as the carpenter. And people perceived him to be the son of Joseph and the son of Mary. And we know that there were other siblings that were born after Jesus. There was James, there was Joseph, there was Judah, there was Simon. And then there were also females, there were also ladies. And people saw Jesus as being the eldest. But we know that Jesus in origin is not the son of Joseph, but he is the son of God. He was not born by natural conception, but he was born by supernatural conception. The Bible says in Isaiah 7 verse 14, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That is when it is being interpreted means God with us. So Jesus was of supernatural origin, of supernatural conception. And because the people knew him, they saw him upbringing as a child. They saw him as a carpenter, as a woodworker. Yes, as a woodworker. And many of the people doubted in him. And the Bible even says that they were astonished. Yes, they were surprised. They wondered where does he get this wisdom from? To what school did he go? And we know that Jesus did not go to any school. But the wisdom that he had was from above. Hallelujah. Even the miracles that was wrought through his hands. No man trained him to do that. But we see in John chapter 3 that Nicodemus made a statement saying that no man can do these things except God be with him. Hallelujah. And that is how it was. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 that God anointed Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and he went about doing good to everyone, casting out devils, doing miracles, doing all these things. God was with him. So we see there's also a human aspect of Jesus. He's also being referred to his humanity. But we know that he was more than a man. Hallelujah. He was the God-man himself. Praise the name of the Lord. And we see that people really doubted in him. And because of their doubt, because of their unbelief, because they knew who he was, and today it is the same. If people know who you are, where you're from, then people have a certain perception about you. People think that because you come from a certain nationality, a certain race, a certain background, a certain upbringing, a certain home, if you come from a certain family line, then people expect no good to come from you. But here we see Jesus proving them absolutely wrong. 
But because they had the wrong perception about Jesus. And that is very important. What is our perception about Jesus Christ? We see in the gospel according to Matthew that Jesus was asking them in Matthew 22, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? And they answered, the son of David. And then Jesus asked them, but why does David then call him Lord? But Jesus asked an important question, what think you of Christ? And our perception of Christ really will determine our eternal destinations. Our mental attitude towards Christ and towards his word will also determine our life here upon this earth, in this natural realm, in this earthly plane. And we see they had the wrong perception about Jesus. And many people even thought that he was born in fornication. They thought that he was made out of wedlock. He was conceived out of wedlock between Joseph and Mary. Because Mary became pregnant while she was a spouse to Joseph. They were not yet legally married. So they didn't have the right to stay together. But this was obviously the impression that many people had. That Jesus was an illegitimate child. But we know that the angel appeared unto Joseph. Because Joseph had it in his heart. And he wanted to divorce Mary. But an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, according to Matthew 1, and told him to not be afraid to take Mary, his wife. Now we see there that they were a spouse, they were engaged. But once you go to that serious step of engagement, God sees it already as being married. But he doesn't give you the legal rights until the ceremonies are completed to stay together. So to be engaged is also something very serious and it should not be taken lightly. Yes, if our youth is considering to marry someone, we must please bear in mind that it is no joke. It is no play. It is something very serious, especially in the sight of God. Once that step has been taken to become engaged and approval has been given from both parties, then God already sees them as being united. Although they not have yet the legal rights to live together, to share one bed and one table, but it is a serious thing. The Bible even says in Deuteronomy chapter 22, if a man is caught lying with a woman that is engaged or betrothed to another man, then both of them shall be killed because it is also seen as an act of adultery. So Joseph wanted to divorce her because he thought that she was immoral before they could stay together. But the angel of God assured him in the dream that that which was conceived inside of Mary was of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And the, the, the child that should be born must be called Jesus and he shall be called the Son of God. We see even the angel himself, Gabriel, appearing unto Mary and giving her this great tiding that she was highly favored and that she is pregnant and that the child that is within her is conceived of the Holy Spirit. Now Mary doubted herself. She wondered, how can this be, seeing that I know no man? But the angel said, the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. Hallelujah. And therefore the son that shall be born, the child shall be called son of the Most High. Hallelujah. So we see people had a bad perception about Jesus and therefore they could not draw any blessings from him because they looked at him as being an illegitimate child coming out of a town like Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And their attitude towards Jesus is really what kept them back from the blessings. And the Bible says that he could do there no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went around the villages 
teaching. So we see that they were doubting Jesus. And because they were doubting him, that doubt kept them back. And that is the original sin. That is the first sin. It is unbelief. We see that when Satan possessed the serpent, he sowed doubt into the heart of Eve. And he told her that she shall not die if she eats of that fruit that is in the of the tree in the middle of the garden. And right there, the moment she doubted, that was the original sin. And the Bible warns us against an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief is something terrible. It is something horrible to not believe. Unbelief is actually like an insult to God. And we see that they really were unbelievers. They could not believe in Jesus. And if you want to please God, you do not please God through unbelief, but you please God by faith. The Bible says, Hebrews 11 verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then it says in verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Hallelujah. So if you want to move God, you must have faith. If you want to please God, you must have faith. God wants us to believe. Jesus said, only believe. All things are possible for them that believe. Hallelujah. So we must believe. Yes. But here we see them struggling to believe. Because they were reasoning. And that is really the opposite of faith. It is reasoning. It is fear. And we see that because they were reasoning instead of having faith, we see that they were robbed of many blessings. They could have benefited from Christ, but because of their unbelief, they could not. And they were offended at him. And we see that Jesus couldn't do any miracles for them. Now the Bible says in the book of Galatians that faith worketh miracles. Hallelujah. If you can believe, Jesus said all things are possible to them that believe. Sometimes there were statements in the gospels where Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Hallelujah. So we must have faith. But here we see that because of the doubt and unbelief, it couldn't happen for them. They could not experience the supernatural. They could not experience the power of Jesus Christ because of their unbelief. Now God can do anything and God can do everything. But if you do not believe, it is because of your own doubt. It is because of yourself that God is limited. Yes. Now God is a God of the unlimited. God can do all things. But God cannot do things for people that do not believe. If you don't believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross, it is impossible for you to be saved. If you do not believe that he can heal you when you are sick, then he will not heal you. God, many times, is chased away from the scene by people's unbelief. But where faith is found, there God is welcome. Hallelujah. God rejoices. Hallelujah. God is attracted by faith. Faith in him and faith in his word. Hallelujah. And here we see them really rejecting Jesus. And Jesus was marveled, yes. But here we find an important statement that Jesus says. He says that a prophet is not without honor. Except in his own country and amongst his own kin and in his own house. So yes, when it comes to a prophet, it is an honorable thing. It is a noble thing for somebody to have that ability to be a prophet for somebody to have that office of being a prophet now to be a prophet you need to be born as a prophet 
we see in Jeremiah chapter 1 that God said when he was still in his mother's womb, God ordained him to be a prophet unto the nations. Hallelujah. So somebody that is a prophet is somebody that is born to be one. It is not something that people can instill in you, but it is something that God instills in you. It is a divine gift. And a prophet in the letter of the word is somebody that is a seer, somebody that can see in the unseen realm. And we see that the prophets in the Bible, they were like that, hallelujah. They were people that could see where others could not see. And God likens his prophets unto eagles. We know that the eagle can fly at a very high altitude. And because of that ability to fly at a very high altitude, an eagle can see further than other type of birds can see. An eagle is a special type of bird, a special type of creature with a unique ability. And that is what a prophet is. It is somebody that can see far, hallelujah, that can see into the future. It is somebody that can see into the invisible world. It is somebody that God can take into the spirit and God can show him things that are to be, hallelujah. And it is somebody that that operates as a watchman for God. Somebody that can stand on the walls and see the danger coming and warn God's people. You can compare this with passages such as Ezekiel chapter 3, where God appointed the prophet Ezekiel as a watchman. So that is what a prophet is. It is a seer, hallelujah. But a seer is also a divine interpreter of the word. Now we know that God's word comes to the prophet. If you read Amos chapter number 3 and verse 7, the Bible says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing unless he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. So we see that God's word comes to the prophets, hallelujah. God's word doesn't come to the theologians or to the scholars, but the scholars receive it only after the prophet brings it to pass. But God has channels, God has vessels, God has instruments, and they are called prophets. And as we say, a prophet is a seer and also a divine interpreter of the word. Now we do have the warning in our day and age that there shall come many and they shall be false prophets in the end time. And we shall make a distinction between them and the true prophets. But let us first lay down the foundation and define what a true prophet is. Now Jesus Christ himself was also referred to as being a prophet. He was the promised prophet which was spoken of by Moses, the prophet of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, where God promised that he will raise a prophet likened unto Moses. Yes, so Jesus himself operated as a prophet. But the difference between Jesus and all the prophets were that the prophet said, Thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. But when Jesus came, he did not say, Thus saith the Lord. He just said, Verily, verily, I say unto you. So he did not have to say, Thus saith the Lord, because he was the Lord. And therefore he could just say, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Jesus also made the statement in the book of John chapter 5. That the, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself, but what he sees the Father doing, that the Son does also. So Jesus also saw visions. Yes, he also saw things before they could come to pass. And Jesus is that promised prophet of whom Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 18. And we find this confirmed in Acts chapter 3 from verse 22, where the apostle Peter confirmed 
that Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy, that he is that prophet likened unto Moses. And the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy 34, by the death of Moses, after his death, there rose no one in Israel likened unto Moses. But Moses did write that there will come one likened unto me, and you must listen unto him. And if you don't listen unto him, it shall come to pass that you will, God will cut you off from his people. We see even Stephen, the martyr, the first martyr for Christ, confirming this and saying in Acts chapter 7 that Jesus was that prophet of whom Moses wrote. Yes, and he was a prophet and it is something honorable to be, but it's not honorable in your own country, in your own house or amongst your own people. That is usually where you are despised and rejected and persecuted amongst those that are supposed to be your own. Now we're going to listen to that song quickly, Sweet, Sweet Spirit. After that, we return to the broadcast of a study in the Word. God bless you. You are listening to Radio Yesterova. Radio Yesterova. Our station, our talent, our people. Tidang Radio. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know it's the spirit of my Lord. Yes, it is. Our sweet, sweet expression on each face, and I know you are listening to Radio Yesterova. It's the spirit, oh, of the Till you reach out and somehow know him. 
Listening to Radio Yesterova. God bless you and welcome back to tonight's broadcast of A Study in the Word with me, Evangelist Almar. May the Lord bless you. May you just be with you. I trust that you are really benefiting from this broadcast and God is giving you insight in His Word. So we're speaking tonight about the prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. Yes, that is how it is. To be a prophet, we know it's to be a seer or to be a divine interpreter of the word of God. And we see this throughout the Old Testament that God spoke 
to the prophets. Hebrews chapter 1 says that God, who in sundry times and in diverse manners spoke to the fathers, to the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us through his son. So God spoke through the prophets. Hallelujah. He spoke through the prophets. That is God's channel, that is God's medium, that is God's way of speaking through the prophets to the fathers. Hallelujah. And up till today, we still read the prophets because we believe that what they said was the truth as they spoke in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So the prophets were really God's instruments. Uh, they were really God's channels that he used to uh, broadcast his message through to his people, to transmit it through to his people. We see there was a time in Exodus chapter 19 that God came down and God spoke. And we see there was a great fire, there was lightning, there was an earthquake. And the people became so afraid. And they said, no, don't let God speak, but let Moses speak. So Moses also being a prophet, we see that Moses had that, uh, that ability, hallelujah, to be the mediator between God and man and to convey God's message to the people. Now, a prophet is something honorable, as we said. It is something noble. And a prophet is a person that is normally respected. But there are a few places where prophets are not respected, but rejected. And that is in their own country, amongst their own people, and amongst their, in their own house. Yes. And many times, prophets of God paid dear prices, even as far as their own lives. It cost them their own lives at times, because they were persecuted, they were rejected, they were mocked because of the word of God. And that is the way of a true prophet of God. It is not an easy way. It is rugged. It is tough. And it is somebody that has to have boldness. And only God can give that boldness. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the righteous are bold as a lion. Hallelujah. And the Bible even says in the book of Acts that they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word of God with boldness. And a prophet needs to be firm. He needs to be strict. And he needs to say only what God says. Hallelujah. And we see that, for instance, in Second Chronicles chapter 18, with the prophet Micaiah, he said that only what God says, that I will speak. And so it is with every other true prophet of God. They say only what God says. They speak where God speaks, and they are silent when God is silent. They are strict, they are firm, they are rough, they are rugged, and they say it the way it is. Hallelujah. And because prophets took their stand for God and his words, and they were true ambassadors and representatives of God Almighty, many times the forces of evil launched heavy attacks on them. Yes, we see the powers of hell being unleashed on them and Satan entering into people, in, uh, demons possessing people and persecuting the prophets of God. And Jesus said that uh, the blood of the prophets, it will be avenged from righteous Abel up to Zechariah, which was killed between the temple and the altar. Yes, and many prophets of God paid a dear price. They were mocked. They were rejected, but they took their stand for God and his word, and their reward will be great in heaven. And Jesus even gives an encouragement that if we are also persecuted in like manner as the prophets were, that we should rejoice because great is our reward in heaven. That's in Matthew 5 from verse 10 to 12. So, yes, now if we come down to our day and age, and we interpret what a prophet is in the New Testament, 
We see that the Bible speaks about a fivefold ministry in Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11. It speaks about apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. So there are five different ministries, five different offices that God uses in his body to preach, to teach, to edify the body of Christ. And a prophet is one of them. And we see really that the prophet is the one that reveals the word of God. There's no higher order than the prophet to reveal the word of God. The apostles then came afterwards and they placed correctly what the, what the prophets were uttering. And as we see with the 12 apostles of Jesus, they could take what the prophets spoke in the Old Testament and they could place them exactly and give the correct meaning to them in the New Testament. Now, a prophet, the word prophet in the New Testament can also be interpreted as a preacher. So a prophet can be a, a prophet as in Old Testament times, a seer, a divine interpreter of the word. But the prophet can also be a preacher. Yes, and we can also say that the preacher is not without honor, but in his own country, amongst his own king and his own house. And many times preachers are also treated as is something is like filth, like garbage, and they are rejected. Especially a true preacher. Yes, a true preacher's way is the same as a true prophet's way. Because a true preacher will point back to only what the prophets and Moses and the Psalms and the rest of the scriptures say. Paul was saying in Acts chapter 26 that he preached nothing else than what Moses and the prophets said would come. That which was written in the law, in the Psalms and prophets. The prophets. And Jesus even said in Luke 24 that the things that were written of him in the law of Moses, in the Psalms and the prophets, had to be fulfilled. Yes. So a true preacher will also preach nothing else than that which is written in the law, the Psalms and the prophets, and also in the epistles of the apostles and in the gospels in the entire Bible. A true preacher will preach what the word of God says. He will not depart left or right, but he will stay firm to what is written in the word of God. Hallelujah. Now, we have a warning in our day and age that there shall arise many false prophets and they shall deceive many people. The key word is many. Many false prophets shall arise and they shall deceive many people. Jesus spoke about the broad way and he spoke about the narrow way. If you read Matthew chapter 7 from verse 13, Jesus referred to the narrow way few there be that find it and it leads to eternal life and then there is the broad way that leads to destruction and many are found on that way that broad way that leads to destruction now if you go to the gospel according to matthew chapter 24 verse 24 then jesus also speaks that many a false Christ and many false prophets shall rise and deceive and they shall do great signs and wonders if it were possible to deceive the very elected he says in Matthew 24 verse 5 uh, take heed that no man deceives you for many shall come in my name and say I am the Christ and this is the, the dilemma that we find ourselves in here in the end times in the last days now on several broadcasts I have emphasized it from the Bible that we are living in the end times we are living in the last days we are living in the days in which Bible prophecies are being fulfilled left right and center so there's no doubt about it the signs of the times speak volumes they speak loud it is only those that are spiritually blind and dead that cannot see and realize the day and age that we are living in that it is literally the end times it is the last days and the key word is anointed 
Jesus says, many shall come in my name and say, I am the Christ. Now the word Christ means anointed one, the anointed one. So people won't come and say, I am Jesus, but they will come and say, I am Christ. So they will come and say, I am anointed. I am the anointed. Jesus says that many false anointed ones and many false prophets shall arise and they shall do great signs, wonders and miracles if it were possible to deceive even the very elect. Now, if we study the Bible, we see that God does do signs, wonders, and miracles. And even the prophets were God's mediums and channels through which God showed signs, wonders, and miracles. We take, for instance, the prophet Moses. <coughs> we see how that God performed the ten plagues through Moses. And except for the ten plagues, we see many miracles that God wrought through, through Moses throughout the wilderness. Yes. So prophets do do signs, wonders, and miracles. Yes. But the signs, wonders, and miracles are there to attract our attention back to the written word of God. Yes. Nothing else, nothing less. When signs, miracles, and wonders begin to attract people's attention to the individual that is performing such, then that in itself is deception to begin with. Signs, wonders, and miracles should not attract you to the personality of a certain individual, but it should attract you to the scripture, to the word of God. And there are many signs, wonders, and miracles that God can do and has done. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But there is also impersonations. Yes, there is carnal impersonations. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do they, will these men also resist the truth. Now we know that when... Uh, Moses did the miracles. There were these magicians in Egypt that came and copied what Moses was doing. Through the powers of darkness, through evil spirits, they were also doing miracles. And therefore we must take heed. We should not be running after every sign, wonder and miracle. Because there is signs, wonders and miracles that the devil also does. The scripture says in the book of Revelation chapter 16 and verse 13. It speaks about three unclean spirits like frogs, which are the spirit of devils that go forth over all the earth deceiving, yes, deceiving the people. Yes, so God can do miracles, but we know that the devil is a copycat. He's an impersonator. We know that Jesus of Nazareth did real miracles. He raised the dead, he healed the sick, he opened the eyes of the blind. Yes, and those signs will also follow the true church. Jesus says in Mark chapter 16 from verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. So there is a true church that will have the true signs following them and that will preach the true gospel. But there is also the false that have false signs, wonders, and miracles. Miracles that were not even done in Bible days. Miracles that are strange by nature. Miracles which is unidentifiable in the scripture and also that does not point back to the scripture. And therefore we must take heed because not every sign, wonder, and miracle comes from God. And we have the warning that in the last days there will be many false anointed ones. Many are claiming that they are anointed. And the Bible says there will be many false anointed ones. It is possible that there can be those that are anointed but they are false. We see for instance Caiaphas the high priest in the book of John chapter 12. He was anointed. The Holy Spirit was upon him and he prophesied about Jesus. But we see it was the same Caiaphas that was actually the instrument in leading to the, to the crucifixion of Jesus that actually rejected Jesus himself. So he was anointed but he was false. So yes, it is possible that there can be those individuals that are anointed but they are false. Now what makes them false? 
the teachings and the preachings are false. They are not comparable with the Bible. If emphasis is being laid more upon signs, wonders and miracles than upon the word of God, then something is wrong. Absolutely wrong. The emphasis should not be on the signs, wonders and miracles, but it should be upon the word of God. God will then confirm the word by signs and wonders and miracles. The Bible says, and the Lord confirmed the word by doing the signs, wonders and miracles. If you read Mark chapter 16 from verse 18 to verse 20, the Bible says the Lord confirmed the word. The Lord says these signs shall follow them. It is not us following the signs, but it is the signs following us. If we follow the word, the signs will follow us. The Bible gives us an explicit warning in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. We can actually start from verse 1 where it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be of God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now the Bible gives clear instructions when it comes to false prophets. If you read, for instance, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 13, the Bible says if a prophet comes and he speaks in the name of the Lord, but the word that he spoke does not come to pass, then such a prophet the Lord has not sent, and you shall not be scared of him. Such a prophet is a false prophet. The Bible even gives instructions in the Old Testament that such had to be stoned because they were deceivers, <coughs> and they were such. If you like, look at uh, Jeremiah 28, for instance, the Bible speaks about uh, Jeremiah, the true prophet, and then there was Hananiah, the false prophet. Jeremiah said they will be in captivity in Babylon 70 years, and Hananiah or Hananiah spoke something totally different. And we see at the end of the day that he's, the word that he spoke was not confirmed because God never spoke it, yes. But God vindicated what the prophet Jeremiah had said, hallelujah. God confirmed it, word for word. And that is how we know that somebody is a true prophet of God. When the word that that person speaks is fulfilled, when it comes to pass. But those that say, thus saith the Lord, and the Lord has not spoken, such are false prophets. And the false prophets, we find their description in the book of Jeremiah 23, where the Bible says they speak of peace and prosperity, while the people are wicked. The Bible says that they strengthen the hands of the wicked. So instead of turning people from their iniquities and telling them to repent and to come back to God and to make right, they are strengthening the hands of the wicked. And they are telling the wicked that they shall prosper. And that is also how many false prophets are known when they are linked to preaching wealth, fame, riches, prosperity, and not telling people to repent. Now, God is pleased when people repent. And obviously, God does want people to prosper. But God does not want people to prosper while they are in iniquity. And therefore, repentance must be preached. And that is one of the ways that you can recognize a false prophet. They never preach on repentance. And repentance is a vital biblical topic that must be overemphasized, especially in our day and age where the world is in such wickedness. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 that the whole world lies in wickedness and it is absolutely vital, it is absolutely essential that repentance must be preached. Jesus even commanded this in the book of Luke chapter 24 that the repentance and the remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations starting in Jerusalem. Jesus himself the people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We see John the Baptist being the greatest prophet 
The Bible says that he was the one that introduced the Messiah. And that of those that were born out of a woman, there was no one greater than him. And the Bible says that he was more than a prophet. Yes, he was the introducer. He was the forerunner of the Messiah. He was the one that introduced Jesus to the people as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. Yes, that is how it is. And even John the Baptist was telling the people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We see the apostles of Jesus also taught repentance. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So we see the apostles, the prophets, they call people to repentance. Paul even wrote in Romans chapter 2 that it is the goodness of God that wants to lead men unto repentance. Hallelujah. And we must be so watchful because that is one of the traps of the false prophets. They do not lead people to repentance. They do not lead people to God, but they lead people deeper into sin. And they preach a different gospel that deviates from the original gospel. Now Paul was pronouncing the curse in the book of Galatians chapter 1. If anyone comes, even an angel from heaven, and preaches a different gospel than what was already preached, let him be accursed. And the gospel of Jesus Christ can be verified and examined to all people that are literate and can read. Even all people that can just have listening abilities, even if they're not uh, literate to, to read. They can just listen to what is written in the Bible. And if somebody preaches something different than what is in the Bible, it is so obvious that it is a different gospel. It is a different theology that is being presented. So let us not be deceived by false prophets. False prophets that just want to gain money from people and send their souls to hell by giving them the wrong teaching, by giving them the wrong doctrine that is not found in the Bible. Let us pray God for discernment of spirit and let us not be deceived by those that want to preach about wealth, riches, prosperity, but not call people unto repentance. Those that overemphasize signs, wonders, and miracles, but disregard the word of God. God's word is the absolute. It is the basis. It is the foundation. And we should verify and examine all things with the word of God. And if we believe the word of God, then God will confirm his own word. Hallelujah. God does signs, wonders, and miracles. And God uses people also to do them. But we know that not all of this signs, wonders and miracles, especially in this end times that we are living in, is from God. And the only way that we will know if it is not from God is if we test it through the Bible. Hallelujah. If we see if these things happen. Jesus said, if we believe in him, the works that he does, we shall do it also. And that we shall do more than that. Yes, we can't do greater than him. He is the master and we are the followers. But we will do more than him. But we won't do something that's contrary. We won't do something that violates uh, the, the basic rules of the Bible. Miracle signs and wonders that tells you to undress yourself, to present yourself naked for a miracle to be performed is simply not of God. It is a blatant lie. God is able to heal any part of your body without you getting undressed to do so. So please do not listen to deceivers that just want to uh, do some sinful act with you behind the scenes. Those that invite you to their houses while they are alone with you there to do a miracle, they are not there to do a miracle, they are there to deceive you. 
Those that want all your money all the time, promising you that God will give you double for your trouble, it is only their bank account that is growing. You are getting poorer and poorer all the time. God is able to give wealth and riches, but God is God doesn't need your money to give you more money. So people, yes, be careful of false prophets out there that want to fleece you instead of feed you. The Bible says, feed the flock of God, not fleece the flock of God. Let us pray for a moment. Dear Lord, thank you for allowing us this opportunity, this platform, so that we can speak in your name, your word. I pray that it will not return unto your void, but will accomplish the mission and purpose for which you sent it. I pray that your glory will now abide with each and every listener in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless you until the next time. As I go off the air, we listen to that song, Sweet, Sweet Spirit. God bless you. You are listening to Radio Yesterova. Yeah.